0: So uh, Copperfield Church exists to invite all to build hope-filled homes in Jesus. This is why we believe that at this point in history, God has placed us where we're at with the people that he has given us with the passions that we share. It's to offer hope. But the reality is, hope is one of those things where a lot of us have it, but it may be that we are putting our hope in other things. Everyone has a sense of hope, but not everyone is hoping in something that has great substance that will last when the trial comes, when the troubles begin to invade their life. And so this morning, what I want us to look at briefly is what it means to have a living hope, an unshakable hope. When I was thinking about this passage, it reminded me of when we bought our house in Copperfield, uh, South Down Village, just a few blocks from here. The people that we bought the home from really liked these Bradford pear trees that were in our yard. And it was very important to us, and by the way, if by chance you're the owner of that house and you're visiting today, I don't mean to shame you. (laughs) I don't think that you are here. But they were they were really insistent upon us keeping these trees healthy. They'd really done everything they could do. And the day that we closed on the house, I walked into the backyard and one of the Bradford pear trees had split and half of it fell in our pool. So that tree had to be cut later on that afternoon. So one of the trees that they wanted us to preserve was dead within 12 hours of us owning the house. Then when the tree people showed up, he saw the other tree that was really important to the people in the front yard and he assumed that that was the tree. He goes, so this is the one you want us to remove? I said, no, 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 that one's healthy. He goes, no, 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 sir, that one's dead too. So We cut the tree in the backyard and then the tree that they had spent hours and money on trying to keep alive, we cut it well. We couldn't figure out why the tree in the front died. Until we tried to plant a magnolia tree in the front yard. We got the tree removed and we said, you know what, these brown pears, they don't hold up. We're from Louisiana. We're gonna get a magnolia tree. And so we started to plant this magnolia tree right where this other one had been ground away. And the Bradford Pear doesn't have a very large base. So as we're digging, and we had some guys from church come over, and we were like, hey look, not going to take any time at all. And we kept digging, and eventually we unearthed this humongous, probably live oak stump that had been buried there underneath the grass for no telling how long. Where am I going with this? The reason that the Bradford pear in the front yard died was because they planted it on top of a stump that prevented its roots from being able to grab the nourishment that it needed to survive. It had the appearance of life, But it didn't have a root system that went deep enough to actually sustain that life. And as soon as the storm came, the tree fell apart. In a lot of ways, that is what our hope looks like in this world. It looks like it's alive. And it looks like it has substance until a real trial or storm comes. And then the weakness of our root system is exposed. And this morning, what I want us to see is that there is a life, there is a living hope, there is a root system that goes down deep and holds us, anchors us in the storms that life brings. And it is rooted in this idea that we celebrate on Easter Sunday of the resurrection of the Son of God. If I were going to phrase it one way this morning, I would put it this way. Christian hope has a heartbeat. Christian hope has a heartbeat. It is not in technology. It is not in money. It is not in politics. It is not in family. It is not in marriage. It is not in any other thing. It is in the life of Christ Jesus raised from the dead reigning at the right hand of his father quickly to return to restore our lives as well that is the only unshakable hope that we can know in this world and so to look at this i want to invite you to turn with me to 1st peter chapter 1 and we're going to look at verses 3 through 9 1st peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9 If you're so inclined, I would invite you to stand with me out of respect for the reading of the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. We're really just going to be focusing on verses 3 and 4, but I want us to read all of it in the context of verses 3 through 9. Peter is writing to a group of Christians that have been scattered all over the world because of persecution. Things are not good for them, and he is writing to encourage them. And to strengthen their hope. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Heavenly Father, I pray that over the next few moments that you would fill us with hope. Lord, a hope that is in Christ and in Christ Jesus alone. Lord, and that we would know this living hope because Christ Jesus has truly been raised from the dead. Lord God, would you have mercy on us this morning? We ask all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I want to ask a provocative question. If Jesus Christ had not been raised from the dead, would it matter for your life? If Jesus Christ had not been raised from the dead, would there be anything substantively different about your life? If they found bones and were able to do some sort of DNA testing that could prove beyond a shadow of a doubt tomorrow, that Christ Jesus did not get out of the grave would anything be different about your life on Tuesday than it was Sunday before you had that belief? I want you to sit in that question because I've heard different responses to this before. I can recall hearing one response to this question where the person said, you know, if Jesus Christ wasn't really raised from the dead, and it's all just wrong, just leave me be. I've still enjoyed a good life. That's what the response was. It's was from a pastor, actually. There was a utility about trusting in Jesus that had resulted in a, a type of life that he was like, you know, if, if it didn't really happen, I'm not even going to debate with you. I'm still happy with how my life turned out. Now, if you were to ask the Apostle Paul, or practically any Christian in the first century, does the resurrection of Jesus make any difference in your life? The Apostle Paul would say, if Christ Jesus was not raised from the dead, we are of most men and women to be pitied that what we've done and what we've lived our entire life is completely in vain because we have set our hope, we have set our life, everything is being dictated and directed by this conviction that one day I will be raised from the dead. So Paul would respond to that pastor and say, how could you possibly say this? And I think that the answer to that is that is that in part, that pastor is thinking that following Jesus hasn't really cost me much. Is that what it means to embrace this living hope? What does Peter say to the church? He says, this inheritance is kept for you in heaven. It is shielded by God's power. But why is this important for this this church to hear. In all this you rejoice greatly, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Anyone here familiar with grief? Anyone? Know what it likes to have sorrow, to want something to be better on the other side? Ever lost anyone that you loved? and thought, this just doesn't seem right. This doesn't feel like how things are supposed to be. We see all kinds of different attempts in the world to try to fix this issue of death and immortality. How many here, raise your hand, are familiar with Elon Musk? Anybody? All right quite a few of you. If you're not, that's, that's okay. I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> He's a pretty big figure. Uh, SpaceX rockets. If you want to know any more about that, I'll point you to Hunter Wiley. Tesla cars. But he also has this thing called Neuralink. Anybody heard of that? A few of you? All right. We're going to get geeky just for a second this morning. But it's important because where the tech industry tends to head is where we all are going to be eventually. Most of you got a smartphone this morning. So just get an idea of what Neuralink wants to do. Neuralink wants to be able to embed technology within the human being. Okay? It's pretty wild, right? Could have incredible medical benefits. You think of ways that they may be able to control diseases like epilepsy. There's incredible promise with these things. But there's also this interest in being able to interface with the human brain in such a way as to be able to provide a data block, a diagram of our neural connections, and even eventually be able to download our thoughts. Now, part of us wants to go, that'll never happen. But 20 years ago, you could have never dreamed that the iPhone would be what it is. So be very careful in the things that you say, that will never happen. But part of the idea would be that one day, one day, we have these two opportunities. One would be that we would have this disembodied forever life where our thoughts get uploaded to the cloud and have an opportunity to interact on the basis of artificial intelligence with one another. It is a goal of some to be able to escape death by taking away this body of flesh that we now struggle to keep alive. That's one side of technology. The other side is to eventually be able to genetically edit our embodiment enough to be able to eliminate all diseases and allow us to live several hundred years longer or even to be able to become post-human. Now, why am I saying all these things? Because our world has a concern about being able to provide us with hope in the midst of trials. They want to be able to say, look, I know things are bad now, but given our advances, given what we're able to do, we promise things are going to get better. Guess what we can do? It's the gospel of technology. It's what we can be able to provide you. And eventually, eventually, we will be able to overcome our greatest enemy, which is death. And yet, here's the saddest reality of this. While our world is running headlong as fast as they can to come up with a way to conquer death. Death was conquered 2,000 years ago when a Galilean man walked out of a tomb. Hope has a heartbeat, not a hard drive. (laughs) Hope is found in the one who has conquered death. And it's an offering that he makes to you this morning. It is a living hope. It is a hope that has deep roots that make it in the trial. And that's what I want you to leave with this morning. With all the things that you could hope in. And there are plenty and I rehearse these often. But when you think about hope, think about what is the thing that I run to and I turn to when things get bad. Do I turn to my career? Do I turn to my savings account? Do I turn to my parents? Do I turn to my spouse? Do I, what, do, what do I ultimately turn to looking for and putting my hope in and trust that they are going to be the one that's going to take care of me? Where we turn in the midst of trials is ultimately where we find hope. Our hope, and this morning what I would want you to do is see is that the one that we should turn to is the one that can actually offer us a substantive hope, a lasting hope, a living hope that can not fail. I don't want you to hope in the things of this world. I want you to have the hope that Peter describes, that's given by the new birth to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. If you have this hope when the trial comes, even though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. Even though you do not now see him, you believe in him and you trust. And you will be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, knowing that this world is not all there is. And you will receive the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You will be given strength to hold on, strength to keep moving, strength to keep pressing on, strength to endure and live through the trial. That's one of the things that Easter is about. It's not just remembering about what happened in the past. It is remembering that what happened in the past is a pattern, and it is the powerful. what will happen to all who have put their hope and their trust in him. Those of you that have placed your hope in Jesus Christ, as wild as this sounds, one day you will be raised from the dead. A new body to dwell on a new earth under a new heaven's in the presence of God forever. Those of you that have lost children, those children will be raised and will reign beside you in the new heavens, in the new earth, new Jerusalem. Those of you that have family members that went on before you, that had put their hope in Christ, you will live with them and enjoy reign with them again I look forward to those days. I look forward to the day that I see my nephew Hayden again. He died when he was 15 in a car accident. I look forward to seeing my dad again. No technology, no savings fund, no insurance plan can offer me that type of hope. When I have fears about my children or my wife or what would happen if something were to happen to them? God forbid it. I don't want that. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I pray that I don't have to know those types of pains and sorrows. I do not want to sign up for suffering. But what is it that gets us through what, those types of situations? It's the hope that death does not get the final word. Death has been defeated. In Jesus Christ. And that victory is coming for us as well. We embrace this by faith now. We enjoy it in part as we have been born again. And we long for the day when we will be raised to newness of life with him. You are invited this morning to come and know this hope. You are invited to come and know this Christ. You are invited to plant the tree of your life in the deep soil of God's promises and his hope to be carried through, to be strengthened, and to not be tossed to and fro by the trials and the winds and the sorrows of this world. Would you put your hope in him today? Would you put your hope in Jesus Christ? I would invite you to do that this morning to build your home, to build your life in the hope that only Christ can provide. As you reflect on the message this week, feel free to reach out to our staff by emailing care at copperfieldchurch.com. We would love to hear from you and pray for you. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and our other podcast, Equipped for Good. Thanks for listening.